has done. Heavenly Father, as we focus on your word now, I pray that your word would come alive to us and would live in our hearts. Like the word says, that you would, your word would dwell in us richly. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive as we focus on certain scriptures this morning. And we want to be more like you. We want to be more like Jesus. And so we thank you for your anointing on the word as it goes forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you just smile at the person next to you. Just check that they still got both eyes open. Give them a little smile. Please turn to Philippians chapter 4. We mentioned to you via SMS yesterday that uh, we were going to be speaking about Philippians 4. If you're not on our SMS list, please let them know at the information desk. We'd love to add you on so that you can stay in touch with uh, the weekly updates. Now, the title of this message is Changing the Way You Think. If you're making notes, you can write that down. Changing the Way You Think. And I, I'm really asking the Lord to, to help me bring some, something across here this morning, and we may continue it over the next two or three weeks, because I, I am so convinced that we need to adjust our thinking to think more positively, to think more joyfully, think more thoughts full of hope and so on. And being a pastor for a, a good couple of years now, as I interact with people, sometimes as I look at my own situation, I realize how much we need to begin to set our minds on things above. Set our minds on on things that are right and true. And I really believe that this is an area that God is wanting to speak to choose life about now. I believe that this is what God is wanting to say to us now. And I know that there's lots of people listening this morning and you, you know exactly what I'm on about because the area of your mind is an immense battlefield with so many landmines, it can be scary to be you. <laughs> but God wants us to renew our minds and come to a place where we are dwelling on the right things, where our minds are fixed on the right things. Now, Philippians 4, and let's read from verse 4 to 9. It says here, Rejoice in the Lord always. I love the scripture verse. Again, I will say rejoice. Can we say the word rejoice, please? Rejoice. rejoice. We say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. By the way, sometimes I think we have too much strife in our lives because there's not enough gentleness. Our gentleness needs to be evident to all, and as we are gentle and kindly, kind-hearted in our interaction with other people, it actually diffuses situations and there's less strife. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Yeah, that's easy said, God. <laughs> 
Be anxious for nothing. I'm just thinking about the fact that uh, Friday night they broke in at the neighbor's house next door to us. And the previous Friday night they broke in at the neighbor's house next door to us. Same house, same time, same guys. But the scripture does say, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, here's the promise, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. That word God is a military term. God will set up a military guard over your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus if we give things to God by praying instead of worrying. Finally, brethren, whatever things are, this is our focus scripture, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are Pure. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This is God's word to us. The things which you have learnt and received and heard and saw in me, this is Paul speaking, these do, and the peace of God will be with you. If we can apply what we've just read, the peace of God will be with us. Now, it's interesting who is writing this passage of Scripture. It's the Apostle Paul. If anybody had kind of the right to moan, and to complain. Wasn't it Paul? We know that he was wrongfully accused. He was put in prison. He was mistreated. He faced death on many occasions. He experienced continual hardship. Yet, he's the one saying, I'm encouraging you to be joyful. I'm encouraging you to be grateful. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. Think about this for a moment. What do you think occupies God's mind? What do you think occupies God's mind? What type of thoughts? What do you think God is thinking about most of the time? You see, because we're called to become like the Lord Jesus. We're called to copy Him and model Him and become more like Him. And, and maybe it's important that we look at what He is thinking about. I believe the answer is the following. God's mind is filled with hope and belief. God's mind is filled with hope and belief. And Paul is challenging us in this scripture, Philippians 4 verse 8, to seek out the positive things in life and choose to dwell on them. It is a lot easier to do the opposite. 
but think of the results which it produces. It's a lot easier to seek out the negative things. It really is easy. Naturally, we gravitate towards that. It's more difficult to seek out the positives. But if we do seek out the positives, you know what? And we begin to dwell on it, there's an outcome. It's called joy. We begin to have joyful existence. We begin to have a joyful life as we begin to focus on the positive things. And it's important that when we do this, when we begin to seek out and focus on the positive things, we begin to think like God. God, His mind is not occupied by negativity. His mind is not occupied by defeat. God's mind is certainly not occupied by fear. But as you and I seek the positive things and begin to dwell on those things, we begin to think hope. We begin to think belief, which is the way God wants us to think. Now, four aspects that we want to touch on today. Number one, God's mind is always occupied on life-giving thoughts. God's mind is always occupied with, shall I say, life-giving thoughts. How do we know this? Well, I'd like to mention a few scriptures. You don't have to turn there. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5 to B, it says, Love thinks no evil. The Bible also says God is love. We can effectively say there, God thinks no evil. So do you think it's fair to say that his mind is always occupied with life-giving thoughts? Yeah. God thinks no evil. He does not rejoice in sin, but rejoices in truth. He bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You see, love always hopes, love always believes, and our God is love. And that's the way God thinks he thinks hope. He thinks belief. Another scripture is the well-known Jeremiah 29, 11. But listen for the word thoughts. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts. What type of thoughts? Of peace and not of evil. To give you hope and a future. So what type of thoughts does the Lord think? He thinks thoughts of peace, not of evil. God thinks thoughts of a future. God thinks thoughts of hope. This is our God. And you know what? The Bible says that may the Holy Spirit cause you to abound in hope. That's what it says in Romans. I forget the specific reference right now. And if God thinks like that, and the Holy Spirit is within us, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help us to abound in hope. That's what the Word says, abound in hope. Not just have hope in short supply or a little bit, but to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Another scripture is Psalm 139, verse 17. It says, How precious are your thoughts toward me. O oh God, how great is the sum of them. What type of thoughts does the Lord think? 
He thinks precious thoughts towards you. As you sit in here today, I believe if your Heavenly Father was to reveal Himself to you personally, in like an open vision, you would be overwhelmed with affirmation. And that sense of, you know, I'm not good enough, would, would just kind of disappear in the light and the radiance of His love. You might feel not worthy in a sense, but at the same time, you'll feel so affirmed. You'll feel so loved. You'll feel so drawn in by God because He has precious thoughts concerning you. Many, many precious thoughts. Through these scriptures, we can see that God's mind is occupied with life-giving thoughts. And He's setting an example for you and me to follow. We need to think like this because we are made in the image of God. And so we need to begin to get the thoughts that His image gives us. So that's number one. God's mind is always occupied with life-giving thoughts. Number two, God calls us to love Him by developing a positive thought life. You hear that? God calls us to love Him by developing a positive thought life. Turn to Mark chapter 12, please. If you've got your Bible, don't let it sit next to you. Please, open it up. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Let's have a look at this. Mark 12 verse 30. It says the following. It says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Now we've just missed it. With all your mind. The Bible is instructing you and me to love God with our minds. This is interesting, because we, we, we talk about loving God, we, we talk about it often, and how we need to really just serve Him with everything, but how do you love God with your mind? That's an interesting question. And I believe you do so with your thought processes being right. Listen, listen to that carefully. You love God with your mind by ensuring that what's going on in your mind is correct. What's going on your mind is in your mind is Philippians 4 8. Things that are true and right and good and noble and praiseworthy and virtuous. That's how you get your mind to be a pleasing sacrifice to God, to be loving to God. God wants you to love Him with everything. Not only with your actions and the way in which you run your household and your family and the way in which you're involved in, a, a life, uh, in, in the life of a local congregation. God also wants your love to be such that what's happening in your thinking, in your computer upstairs, is good. And in that way, it's loving Him. It's honoring Him. It's pleasing Him. 
Psalm 19 verse 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. I believe there's a connection between your heart and your mind together, kind of whatever. Uh, What is going on inside there? God wants it to be pleasing to Him. When the words and the meditations, the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart are pleasing to Him, you know what that is? It's loving God. You know what that is? It's worship. And so God calls us to love Him in that way. When your thoughts begin to reflect God's thoughts, then you are glorifying God. In other words, you are loving God with your mind. Developing a positive thought life is a way of loving God. It's kind of like a a light fitting. That's uh, maybe a glass light fitting with a light bulb inside. And, and the more you can begin to clean up that fitting, let's say it's, it's quite dirty and grubby and, and so on, hasn't been washed and cleaned in years, the more you can clean up that fitting, the more the light bulb will begin to shine. And it's as though the more we can begin to clean up what's happening in our minds, begin to look at our thought processes and try to bring them to a greater place of being right. And according to Philippians 4.8, the more... It is like our light is shining. The more you can clean your mind up, the more you'll begin to shine for God. And the scripture says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. So that's number two. God calls us to love Him by developing a positive thought life. Number three. A positive thought life has a remarkable impact on those around you. Can you think of somebody that you know... uh, that has this kind of a way of operating? Can you think of somebody that you know that has a bit of this mental discipline to begin to focus on things that are joy-filled? I can think of some people, and you know what? They're a pleasure to be around. They're lovely to be around. I can think of one person, and that's my aunt, who's here in the service today. She's a delight to be around. And pretty soon after having a cup of tea with her, we were all giggling and laughing. And, and she's so happy to be alive. And, and where she lives down in Still Bay, every morning she's up and she goes and swims in the lagoon or the river. And, and she's involved in the bowls and involved in the Gideons and involved in playing the keyboard in the church. And she, she's a delight. She's a blessing. And you know what? God wants us to be like that. God wants us to influence the people around about us through the joy that we carry in our hearts. Now, a question. Is there a difference between a good attitude and a positive thought life? Think about that for a moment. Is there a difference? Good attitude, positive thought life. Well, maybe we'd like to say a positive thought life produces a good attitude. But maybe they're just one and the same. But whatever the case is, I want to develop a positive and a winning attitude within myself. And I believe that as parents, it's very, very important that we teach our children how to have a winning attitude, how to have a positive attitude. I remember my dad used to sometimes say, uh, some of his leaders would come to him and there would be this and that and the next thing and this problem. And he would say, guys, I don't need problems. I need solutions. My dad was saying, when you come to me, guys, 
Come with a winning attitude. Come with solutions. Come with opportunities. Come with possibilities. Don't just come with a thing of, oh, you know, uh, the guys don't park straight in the parking lot, you know, and ah, uh, you know, there's this one oak with a three series BM and he parks right across two parking places, you know. I wanted to pull brake fluid over his bonnet. <laughs> don't come with it. Come with, hey, I, I've got a solution to get these people uh, parking right. And the people that park the most right, they'll get a half a, a, a scalp boat or something like that, you know. <laughs> Come with solutions. Come with a winning attitude. Come with something positive. I tell you what, the leading companies of the world are looking for people that have a positive attitude and a winning attitude. They're actually looking for people that have this thing of Philippians 4.8, thinking on things of good and right and hopeful and positive and true. Now, my one son, I'm not going to mention his name, but we've had to work on his attitude more than the other son. The other son seems to be a little bit more happy-go-lucky, a little bit more contented, a little bit more just bubbly and so on. But we've had to work on my one son's attitude. And sometimes he gets miserable and his lip just begins to drag on the ground. You've got to get a wheelbarrow to just uh, carry the lip there. He really gets miserable. It's usually when he can't get his own way. And it's like, uh, Mommy, can I have an icy out the fridge, out, out the deep freeze? No, it's about three and a half minutes till supper, son, so you can't have an icy right now. <laughs> you know? It's amazing how they can get miserable in seconds. Or, you know, um, Dad, can I swim now? Can I have a swim? Uh, my boy, you were coughing all of last night. You kept us awake with your coughing. You can't slim, slim now. Swim now. And the lip comes out. And, and so at one stage I was a little bit, didn't quite know what to do. And, and then I began to say a certain thing. And I've said it many times. And we're working on his attitude. And I say to him, listen, my boy. In this house, we don't allow bad attitudes. In this house, we've got to have a positive attitude. Parents, maybe you want to think of doing the same in your house. When you get that miserable lip that begins to protrude like that, then you say, in this house, we have good attitudes. We don't have bad attitudes. And also, I began to pray about it. And I began to say, Lord, let my son have a winning attitude. Let him have a positive attitude. But often at times, I have to, I have to direct his mind towards things that are good. Direct his mind towards things that are right. And I'm definitely seeing progress. I'll, I'll keep you posted. But I really believe that we have to speak life over our children. And in speaking life, in creating an environment where we are watching our words and so on, then we help them to develop a positive thought life. My, my one son recently began to do quite well in athletics and running. And, you know, he was just at the sports field at school the one day, and there was some little uh, athletics going on there. And he suddenly began to do really well in a few of these races. And, and we were quite surprised. We didn't really realize that he could run like the wind. And uh, Admittedly, sometimes I battle to keep up with him. And I'm in fine shape, you know. <laughs> but basically, he started doing well. And, and so we started encouraging him. And we started supporting him, and I made a special effort to leave work and go and watch him when he would run at Pilditch Stadium and things like this. 
And the first time I went to watch him, I stood next to the track. All the other parents were out on the, on the, on the what do you call that, the grandstand. And I went and stood at the section where he would run for his relay. And I shouted, Jason, go! Jason, go! You know? And I thought, yo, that was good. It felt so nice, you know? And I would shout for my boy and I'd encourage him on. And, and then I began to say to him many times after that, I said, my boy, you can run like the wind, eh? Sure. And he likes that. He likes it. My boy, you can run like the wind. And after the, the last time we, we went to go watch him at Pilditch Stadium, um, his team did pretty well. They really, they really did a good job. And, and I just encouraged him and I spoke life over him and I said, Jason, I was proud of you today, boy. I'm proud of you. And he said the following. He said, I'm more proud that you came to watch me. Isn't that sweet? I believe we have to speak life over our children. Speak life. Never break them down. They need to hear the words, I'm proud of you. If when you grew up, you heard those words from your father or your mother, I'm proud of you, you know what it did for you. If you didn't hear those words, just forgive your parent, forgive your mom, forgive your dad. But let's speak these words over, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. From time to time, my mom still says things of affirmation over me. And, and yesterday we went out for breakfast. And before breakfast, she just gave me a hug. And she said some kind words of affirmation. And that, even though I'm 35, it causes this kid's heart to swell. It causes me to feel good. And that's what Father God did. He said over his son, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Father God set the example. We need to speak life over our kids. One of the most valuable things you can ever impart to your child is a winning attitude, but it comes from creating an environment where words of life are being spoken. So a positive thought life has a remarkable impact on those around you. Number four, the last point. Sustained right thinking will result in joy. I would, I would venture to say that one of the most sought-after things in all of history is people want to be happy. People want to be joyful. They want to be content. They want to be fulfilled. And, and many people would go to great lengths to try to, to be happy, to try to fulfill this desire that's within them. Many times we look for joy in all the wrong places when actually joy is found through loving and knowing God and beginning to think according to the way He says we need to think. But joy is a product of perpetually and repeatedly thinking good thoughts. It isn't just automatic that you just become joyful because you're a Christian. No, because you begin to think in line with what's good and what's right, joy begins to come. Now, if you were to think of a, a really deeply miserable day in your life when things just went wrong way around and were just terrible, it's impossible for you to really engage in the thoughts of that terrible day in your life and be overwhelmed with joy. 
But yet, you can begin to think on moments in your life when things happened that were so beautiful, so exciting, so fulfilling, and immediately what happens in your heart is joy begins to come. But real lasting joy comes from sustained thinking that is right. Sustained right thinking. Research indicates that the average person thinks about 50,000 thoughts per day. And your thoughts can either cause you to rise or they can cause you to think. But the amazing thing is that you can always begin afresh because right now is where you begin to have thoughts coming into your mind for this day and for the day ahead. And right now you can begin to change the way you live by changing your thinking. We need to start taking note of what we're thinking about. We need to start taking note of the quality of our thoughts and begin directing our minds to Philippians 4 verse 8. And I want to remind you that you have the authority over your mind. You might have generally let things slip for a while. You might have let things get a little bit out of control. But you still have authority over your thoughts. And you need to believe this because you cannot take... Uh, you know, you cannot begin to think right if you just believe, well, it's just a free-for-all in my mind. No. You have authority. And you can choose what you think about. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's not going to say you've got to renew your mind if you cannot do it. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I would like to, I'm drawing to a close now, to give you an exercise to do, to give you homework to do in this week ahead. And this is the homework. And I would really like to ask that you would make a point of doing this. The homework is this. Every day, at the start of your day, that might be once you've done through the shower and through the breakfast and everything, and you're driving in your car. Make the following declaration. Thank you, Lord, that this is going to be a great day. How many of you think you can take up that challenge? That is easy enough. It really is. But I'd like to challenge you to do that every day during the course of this week. As you begin to drive in your car, say this. Thank you, Lord, that this is going to be a great day. In conclusion, I'd like to challenge you to upgrade your thinking. In life, we're always upgrading our software, our motor vehicles, our this, our that, our clothing. But I'd like to challenge you to upgrade your thinking. Maybe you've battled in this area in the past. Maybe it's been a struggle. But I really and truly believe that we can make a fresh start. In closing, I'd like to read... Philippians 4, verse 8, once again, and then we're going to pray together. Would you please stand as, as we read the scripture? Please don't leave at this point unless you're part of the hospitality team. It says, let the word of God sink in. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, 
If there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Why don't you take the hand of the person next to you as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you because we want to ask for your help in this area. Lord, we so believe that you want us to live victoriously in terms of our thought life. Lord, we know that you think good thoughts all the time, life-giving thoughts. And we want to love you with our minds. We want to love you with our thought processes. So today we stand before you and we're saying, Father, please help us. Please help us.